Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's restaurant guide, pastas without compare. And it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. From a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation? Intriguing stories and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. Welcome. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, and you're listening to AM 1510, Yahoo Sports Radio, Boston. It is just too cold for me. I don't know about you guys, but this is just getting crazy. All right, a little housekeeping. Check out my new website. I love it. I love it, and I want to hear your thoughts. Talkwithfrancesca.com, and if you want my weekly truth serum, sign up. Or you can send me an email at info at talkwithfrancesca.com with questions or comments. Love, love, love to hear from you as always. You can also find me on Facebook where you can send me questions if you want to chime in. All right, then. Having a dog may be the only time we can choose our family. A friend once gave me <laughs> a friend once gave me that, and I put that on my refrigerator. That replaces all the pictures of all the people in the family. Now, anyway, um, do you have a love-hate relationship with one or more of your siblings? Conflict, annoyance, disagreement, not talking for years on end. Does this sound like your relationship with your sibling or siblings? Well, Jane I say, author of Mom Still Likes You Best, The Unfinished Business Between Siblings, is back again this morning, for those of you who missed last week. Jane talked about secrets and lies, and you can catch it on my website under recent shows. Thanks, Jane, for being here today on Talk with Francesca. I love it. Thank you. Okay, squabbling siblings. I've yes. Heard, I have heard so many people say that if they weren't related, they wouldn't be friends. So my probably superficial superficial question is why are they then i mean why stay in a toxic relationship what does that reveal about someone well the answer is if it's truly toxic and there is cruelty that doesn't change uh, the the answer is if you've had enough say you've had enough and get out of the relationship the problem is that the, that these siblings are family and there is a binding connection, no matter how annoying they are. And so many people have told me that if they divorce a sibling, they, it's as if they have phantom limb syndrome. They miss it. They wonder. They worry. And, uh, and that's just that's the plight of siblings who can't resolve their conflict. But Mom Still Likes You Best is a book about all of the miseries between siblings and among them, and also all about the resolution of those miseries. So it's not 
nothing is cast in stone, Francesca. Things are always capable of moving one way or another. It's interesting, though, that you wrote Mom Still Likes You Best rather than Dad, that you chose Mom. And was there a specific reason for that? I'm curious. Um, it's a it's a phrase from some comedy show. Oh, okay, okay. So it really it, is it really intended to be about well, mothers having favorites no. or no? It it there is a lot a lot of the dynamic among siblings is if there's a favorite. Oh yeah, and, and, and don't my, you think that parents always do have favorites, whether they admit so or not? Well, they have ones they're closer to, but if they have a true favorite, you know, why can't you be like Millie? Millie is not going to be loved completely by her siblings. Hello? Well... Because they're jealous of it. Right, right. A a parent chooses a favorite blatantly at risk of not having the kids so close. Because inevitably they set up a sort of divide-and-conquer kind of thing. Yeah. Is that what you mean? And and, um, and the, the other siblings feel rejected, and they sometimes band together. And they and and the one who's been chosen to be the favorite, you know, if if you're a child, you cannot say, "Oh, mom, don't prefer me." Well, yeah, I really want to be close to my brothers and sisters. You want, I mean, the desire to be loved and have affection and approval from your parents is part of growing up. It's part of how we survive paramount in infancy. Yeah. So, having a favorite, having an out and out favorite, uh, is not. Uh, parents often do it, but there's a risk of of having the children not be so close. But if there's a favorite, I I would guess maybe I'm wrong, but I w- I would think that wouldn't the other children want to emulate that favorite so they're that they jealous. Would, well, right, right, they're jealous. But all yeah, um, is there is there jealousy both ways with the one who is is the favorite and the one who is not? Because well, sometimes I, I, being the favorite, I would think, is a lot of pressure. It is terrible pressure. And the siblings, of course, want to be uh, just like the favorite in ways. But generally, you know, kids are different. So if the favorite is a wonderful, wonderful at ballet class and the next sister is a klutz, mm. she can't do anything about being a ballerina. Right. Why, so, do you think that, yeah, why do you think that parents do that or mothers do that? What? Why do you think that mothers do that? You know, very often parents choose to favor the one who is most like them or who is most like what they wish they had been. And it's a very... Really? That's just the opposite in my family. (laughs) What happened in your family? (laughs) (laughs) We'll try to keep this a bit here. Uh, Actually, my... um, I actually have a lot... I'm a lot like my mother, but she actually often did compare me. Well, there's good thing she can't get the station. (laughs) (laughs) No, but Francesca, because I've interviewed so many hundreds of people in this last decade, I can, of course, contradict myself Uh and say sometimes in families, when the mother, when the mother sees, when the mother and daughter, one of the children, are just alike, they fight. Oh gosh, that explains it. Damn it. Yeah, and you know it's not your fault that your gene that your genes made you like her. But and I have friends who say, you know, she's just too much like me. We always fight. Yeah, that I would say that's the case in yeah. in, in my family. But mm. the, the favorite was really the the really the you know the more proper 
proper yeah, child. The good one. The good one. The good girl versus the bad girl. You bet. I know, but, you know, I think it's easier to be a good girl than a bad girl, don't you? You know, I think you get to be one or the other. I was always a good girl. Oh, damn. And it was just awful. They would say, Jay, at school, they would say, Jane, you're so nice. And I would think, I'm not really nice. <laughs> I'm just being a good girl. Oh, so at least if you're a bad girl, you can be bad and kind of enjoy being bad. Exactly. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, but anyway, okay. Um, but why can some siblings stay out of the fray whether, while others really go at it? You know, I mean, there's like some families where the kids, you know, certain children, they just go at it. And then there are others that just know how to just stay cool, well, keep cool. They're not going to, you know, ruffle any feathers. You know, I mean, is that a gene thing or is that a bio? You I, know? Think it's a, I think it's an atmospheric thing. Mm. If you think of a family, now this is, this is a far-flung metaphor. If you think of the family or the home as a great big pot of soup mm. and there are different ingredients in it, well, if the soup is bitter, the kids are going to fight. If the soup is delicious and kind and soft, the kids are going to find their role in the family. Everybody has to have a different role within a family, each of the brothers and sisters. If there are two, think of a, a, a black and white cookie. You know, I'll play the oboe, you'll play the violin. One of the families I interviewed, one of the people I interviewed was one of five children, and her father was a school teacher. He also led the school band. Mm-hmm. They were all musical. Each of those five kids chose a different instrument. Wow. Now, and that was good sense. Why would you compete? You know? Yeah. And now you're a mother, obviously. Oh, yes. So, all right. And how many children do you have? I have two sons. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a personal question. So um, are either one of them your, your favorite? Well, uh, no. I, they are really amazing men on their own. When they were growing up, there was one who, the older one was more, looked more like his father. And his father, he was kind of his father's boy, kid. And the younger one has the same brain as me. And so he's got one of those spreadsheet minds. Mm-hmm. And we love politics. So we would sit on the big bed and watch the news and talk, talk. He's in politics now. Talk, talk, talk about politics. The older one was dreamy. And he loves stories of the family and so on. And he is an award-winning radio person. Oh, okay. Uh, collecting stories all over America. So, oh, okay. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious though about um, parents with favorites. Do you think that it's of the same sex? Do you know what I'm saying? Like no, a mother's choosing the the favorite girl or the uh, the father. It all, it, see, because it, it seems to me that fathers um, fight more with their boys and yes. mothers fight more with their girls. Yes, but. The closeness between a mother and a daughter who are really, really close, Mm. it's the most closest, it's the closest relationship I have seen in all these 10 years of research. You know, that close mother and daughter, they talk to each other five times a day. Mm -hmm. It makes me wonder because I was not that close to my mother. That's a lot, though. You know, I I don't know. I am. I, I don't know. I, I, I sort of beg to differ on that one. I mean, I just, what what is it that you're, I mean, you don't really mean 10 times a day, do you? No, I mean five. All right, five. Okay, five, even, that's a lot, though. I mean, what what do you talk about five times a day? Uh, how are you? I'm looking at the shoes. Actually, there's a pair of sisters in my book who fought as they were children. Uh, the, I started the interview with this woman. She said, my sister beat me into the woman I am. 
Oh, and she wow. meant it. Really? Her sister, you know, pinched her, hit her. So they, they fought, 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 fought. One of them was the smart one, and one of them was the pretty one. That's another issue that we need to be careful about. Oh, if yeah. you type your children, they are going to continue those labels way past childhood. Well, that's so, right. I, and if someone's, if someone's told they're really smart, they're going to be. But if someone's really pretty, yeah, they'll be pretty, but then their appearance will become more important to them, right? Well, yes, and then what happens is if they don't get along, one of the ways to help them find each other is for the smart one to start listening to her pretty sister because she's just as smart. They come from the same family. And for the pretty sister to recognize that her sister has a lot of wonderful virtues. That's If you change roles midterm, you know, in the middle of your life, you'd be amazed how close you get. So in this family, the two sisters were not friends. And then the older sister, who was so contemptuous of the woman I was interviewing, wound up in the same college town. She was getting her master's degree, and she broke up with her husband. And the younger sister took her in and was really kind to her. And that changed it. And then they became friends, not the closest friends, but friends. Then their mother was ill, and they participated equally in taking care of her. Her mother was in Texas, one was in California, daughter was in California, the other daughter was in Boston. And, and they took turns flying down and taking a week off work to be with the mom. After the mom died, they, these sisters who had fought all their lives became best friends. And to this day, the one on the West Coast will text her sister saying, I'm sending you a picture of the blue shoes I'm thinking of buying. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I just think five times a day is a little extreme. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't have time to talk to anybody five times a day. But what I really mean about that daughter, mother-daughter closeness is that that kind of closeness, there's an interdependence mm. which is very, very special. Generally, parents are more likely to let their children, whoever, whoever may be the favorite, uh, grow up and live their own lives, and they don't need to talk to them every every minute. Mm. What about codependency? Being... You, you know, interdependence, but what about codependence? Does that... Uh, I mean, sometimes I wonder, you know, um, almost sort of like, particularly in um, specific cultures, um, yeah. I'm going to say Italian because I, I am actually, so it's, yes. it's safe. And a Sicilian background. And, you know, oh. it's, it's so, yeah, I know the way you said that. Oh, <laughs> but I'm Jewish. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Exactly. It can be. Um, but now I lost my train of thought. So anyway. Codependent. The, the, yeah, so the culture. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there, you know, that Sunday afternoon, um, yeah. you know, having the Italian sauce and that, 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 that's not just Italians and Jews. It could be, you know, whatever, but any kind of culture, but some are definitely more so than others. And sometimes I don't know if that's so, I don't know. I don't know that it's not healthy. I, I hope, you know, don't I, use, I won't, please don't use the word healthy around me. Okay. It's what it is. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right. Okay. I, right. Healthy problem. I, healthy problem. Who's healthy anyway? It's sort of exactly. like saying. I come it, from, I, I come from a long line of Freudian psychoanalysts, psychiatrists, psychologists, and healthy in my, in my view is a word we should, we should put aside. Okay. Different All right. Cult, different cultures have different ways of being. Italian, the Italian mother, oh. the Sunday dinner. <clears throat> this is really important. In 
uh, in Jewish families, it's the same. Many of the immigrant families that come to America, uh, where only the children are born here, that tight family is kind of, kind of different from the families of people who have been here many, many generations. I've met families where the people really don't talk to each other. They're kind of, it's not appropriate to talk about what you're thinking or feeling. So the quality of the communication, the closeness of the relationship is in part cultural. And then in part, it's, it has to do with the, with the parents and how they behave. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking today with Jane Isay. She's the author of Mom Still Likes You Best, The Unfinished Business Between Siblings. So now, did I say, yeah, siblings, I'm sorry. Um, So now we're sort of going all over the place over here, but I want to get back to the the, the favorite and how that can be actually damaging for the the child who is the favorite. Uh So how, how does that she or he get out of that, that kind of mode? It's very hard, but I think I think that well, I know a family of four children and a very very harsh mother. Mm-hmm. She's not in, they're not in the book, but I I interviewed them. A mother is really harsh, and there are four kids, one of whom was adopted. So there are three natural and one adopted, three biological and one adopted. And the favorite was the one who banded her brothers and sisters together, brothers and sister together, to resist the mom. So, and to help them survive a a, a not very, you know, a not very happy childhood. Uh, And they are, now they are so close. And what about the, but what about the adopted child? Well, she had, she was getting the short end of the stick. Always. From the mother, but the one, the favorite, and brought her in really as a matter of she loved her and she thought it was wrong, you know, mm-hmm. to, to not to be so good to her. And they are extremely close. So what about when they're, they're, the family is so kind of dysfunctional, so toxic that, I mean, really any kind of professional help isn't going to make a dent in the relationship and one is getting all the help and the the others are not how, how do those well, you know what i mean you, you hear that a lot you know there's you know like oh well you know my sisters and brothers whatever they don't they don't see it they don't want to face it they don't want to deal with it you know but mm-hmm. i'm seeing someone i'm getting professional counseling and i'm really getting to see the true story blah 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 um so i mean is it really possible when one is, is sorting things out in a dare I say the word healthy way, um, you, you so there I go case. again, um, yeah. in a, a maybe more thoughtful way, we'll say, yeah. mindful way. Mindful, good. Uh, yeah. So is it more, is it less likely to, uh, the relationship to kind of come back together without them all kind of understanding what's really going on? You know, it's or am quite, I just am I getting too? Are they, am I talking about the real messed up ones? You know, it's a very interesting question. I think that when there are a lot of children, mm. over three, mm-hmm. more children than three, wh- one of the siblings having a kind of kind and leadership role can change things, change the change the the quality of the family soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and. If that person has more, is more together, he or she can help the brothers and sisters see what is going on. One of the, one of the brothers in, in my book, and Mom Still Likes You Best, uh, 
he, he's got five brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and he's the one who talks to each of them every day or every week, not every day. Mm-hmm. But, and he's the one that everybody talks to. He's like the center mm-hmm. of the wheel, and mm-hmm. the siblings mm-hmm. are the spokes. Mm-hmm. And, and they had a, a, a very an abusive and, and, and difficult father. And so he was the one who would stand up to their dad. He was not the oldest, but he was the leader. He was the one who would stand up to their dad and protect his brothers and sisters. And, uh, and they, they remained very close until, and here's the other piece of it, getting back to favorites. The father died, and he left his business to one of the children and nothing to the rest. Oh. And this man I interviewed, who's just a wonderful person, he said to the lawyer, they were all sitting around the table, he said to the lawyer, do you know that you are destroying my family? Of course, it wasn't the lawyer. Of course not. It was the father. So one of the things that my book says, and this is important for those of us who are over 20, when you are thinking about how, who to leave what to, make sure it's fair, because if your children are unevenly, unequally uh, recipient of your, of your estate, mm. it will drive them apart, even though they didn't do it. You did it. Right. Actually, yeah, I know of a, uh, two sisters that it, it, it's still to this day, this happened years ago. Um, yeah. They're like distant, is, they're like distant cousins, like distant, distant. But um, I mean, two sisters, what I do remember is that they were very, 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 I can't say very enough close. I mean, they just, you know, it was just the two of them. And, yeah. um, and then the father got ill and then left one daughter more money and they don't. Have, and that's the end of it. And right? that's the end of it. And that is the end of it. And it's not, yeah, not even a concern. They'll never, ever, ever, ever. It's so tragic. It is. It is tragic. And so sometimes I, I do believe there are differences that just cannot be overcome. And I'd just be curious to, to, um, ask you what you thought of that. Are there some, you know, like say betrayal or, oh sure, you know, that kind of thing, you know, maybe a, a, oh, I don't know. This could get really, I can't think of anything. Actually I I could because um, there's a a movie that my um, intern pulled up for me. I think it's called 27 Dresses and I just looked at it real quickly. And, but I I believe that the sister um, ended up taking the other taking the other her sister's uh, boyfriend and end up marrying him or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. But I mean, to me, when I just looked at that quickly, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of a cute movie. And I just, as I said, sorry, quickly, but, um, Ooh, I, I don't know something like that. I don't know if I could get yeah, over. That's really, really hard. And, um, and there are families, there, there are siblings there. Are, that's a circumstance where it can go either way. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's I, a tough one. Yeah, but I, here's my story. My I, my mother had four sisters, mm. and she was orphaned. They were all orphaned, and, and my mother was the oldest, and so she raised them. And there was this lovely man who was going off to war, and he liked my aunt Seal a lot. And but my aunt Bertie started corresponding with him when he went away when he was in Europe, mm-hmm. and when he came back, he married Bertie. Ooh. And Seal never never uttered a word. She was such a good and kind woman, she went and lived her life. And those sisters were as close as any any sisters could be because they ha- they were my mother had raised them from when they were little and so she was like the mother hen and the sisters were like the children. Oh, and there wasn't even Prozac in those days. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's a tough one. I don't I don't know. Um, do you think that relationships can survive really without talking through differences? I mean, I, no. I, I well, but there's a situation right there that you just mentioned that in a way there was no conversation. I mean, I I know that you know some there are different types of people. They're the, they're the type that really have to sort things out, dig it out, talk it mm-hmm. out, and others that say you know something it passed, it's over, it's done. It was like right. you know, and but to me. It seems very, um, uh, it's not authentic. It seems very uh, facadish to have a relationship with someone and not really be open and and honest. And I'm not saying that's so easy necessarily, and you have to figure well, out what you're going to, you know, pick you your battles. Yeah, well, I think, but. I think the difference with, with the family that I've just told you about is all of them were born before World War One. And that was a, they were born into a culture where you really didn't talk a lot okay. about your differences. Everybody was polite. Um, so that's, that was the situation there. But, you know, we've talked before. I believe that if you really want to heal a relationship, you, you need to put yourself at risk and talk to the person who you're, who's hurt you or who you've hurt. Uh, if you're um, just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking with Jane Isay. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we have some questions coming in from facebook so hang tight we'll be right back stay tuned are you looking for an authentic italian meal in an intimate setting then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's Restaurant Guide, pastas without compare, and it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. New England winters can wreak havoc on our vehicles. Sometimes it's just not enough to wash and vacuum them. Sometimes a full detail is in order. Do you remember the last time your car or truck was in that pristine condition? Remember how you felt? It's time to get that feeling back again. A full detailing from Tony's Recon can get you back in the driver's seat. Call Tony at 978-590-3693 or visit Tony'sRecon.com. You'll be glad you did. Hi, everybody. It's Francesca. Recently, I moved, but what I didn't realize is just how much stuff I brought with me. I was so freaked out. I really needed to maximize the space in my master closet. So I immediately called Closet Classics of Andover to help me get organized. Nick, the owner, came right out to help me and quickly assess what I needed. The process was so easy. All I had to do was tell him what I wanted, and my worries were over. I'd recommend Closet Classics of Andover to anyone looking to get their life more organized. Closet Classics have been in business for 10 years and offers a complete line of home organization solutions for closets, pantries, garages, laundry rooms, you name it. Whether you're looking for something extravagant or simple, Closet Classics will make your life simpler. Give them a call today at 978-475-2433 or visit their website at www.ccandover.com and start planning your organized future now. 
If you are looking for a transformation fitness center that's based on results with a motivating and energizing exercise environment, then the Boston North Fitness Center is the place for you. Located at 30 Prince Street in Danvers, Boston North Fitness Center is family-owned with a fully dedicated staff who themselves have lost over 250 pounds combined. With over 4,000 members, the experienced staff not only does their job, but cares about doing their jobs. For more information, call 978-777-3151 or log on to bostonnorthfitness.com. Moving into your new home or office is easy when you trust the experienced professional movers of the Brickhouse Moving Company. And if you're looking for dedicated movers who will take the stress out of your next move, call the Brickhouse Moving Company at 978-278-3578. We serve all of New England, both residential and commercial moves. No job is too small. Doing the move yourself? No problem. Brickhouse Moving can provide you with all the packing materials you'll need. Call us today at 978-278-3578 or visit us online at BrickhouseMovingCompany.com. Less than 4.4 seconds. That's how long you have to convince your potential customers to stay on your website before they go elsewhere. With so much competition on the web, it's hard enough to get your market's attention. The only thing harder is keeping it. Web developer and marketer April Ann Francis makes it easy to do both. Boost your business with responsive blogs, social media marketing, WordPress design, custom Facebook pages, e-commerce, Google+, search engine, and mobile presence. Training available. Visit AprilAnnFrancis.com, email April at AprilAnnFrancis.com, or call 413-320-9233. That's 413-320-9233. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I need to be somewhere that I can't take my little guy, I bring him to the Playful Pack in Ipswich. There isn't a thing that the Playful Pack doesn't provide to give your furry friend a great day of socializing. They even separate the small dogs from the big. What a relief that was for me. My little guy has a big personality, but he is still only 20 pounds, so I feel so much more comfortable with him playing with kids his own size. And at any time, I can open up the Playful Pack's webcam and see exactly what he's doing. Now that's maintaining control. Your pet will exercise, play, and rest in a safe, clean, and comfortable environment. So it's kind of a no-brainer whether you want to take your dog when you're not around. Visit theplayfulpack.com or call 978-356-3698 today. You'll be glad you did. Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca every Saturday morning right here on 1510 NBC and Yahoo Sports Radio Boston. All right, we are back, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking with Jane Isay, who is the author of Mom Still Likes You Best, The Unfinished Business Between Siblings. And, okay, let's see. So welcome back, Jane. And Thank you. And here I have um, a question. Uh, Chelsea from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, I have been compared to my sister my whole life. I can't yeah. stand to be around her any more than she can stand to be around me. Now, that's interesting, see? So... Uh, but she seems to be so unscathed by it. She has always been the good daughter. Um, so who is it worse for, the one being compared or the one being compared to? Well, it sounds like they both can't stand each other. Well, you know, this is this is a classic problem between sisters especially. Um, one of the winter, women I interviewed said, every time I see her, she says, I don't like the color of your blouse. <laughs> a different blouse every time. <laughs> And uh, when you do this comparison, when your relationship is, you know, 
I'm better, you're worse, you're better, I'm worse. You're good, I'm bad, you're bad, I'm good. Right, you're successful, I'm a flop. Um, Your children are in school, my children have dropped out of school. I mean, it goes on all your life. If if, If that is the way it's been set up by parents, it's very, very, very hard to avoid that and the woman who who wrote in or is 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 in that spot and maybe if she really if there's a sense that she has that she'd like to have a better relationship with this sibling then they sit down and they say and they say nice things to her she says nice things to her and she lets her know that she really cares about her and maybe it'll get better and if it doesn't get better that's it. And it's not their fault. Somebody set up this competition. And I think that's something that may help the siblings. They didn't cause this competition. It's from the parents. And I, but I think also, you know, I, I just might interject, and I think that, you know, if it's been set up you know, for years and it's a certain way, that's mm-hmm. a pretty, you know, tough road to travel down to try to change it. I mean, because yes. the, the, the buttons that are, are pushed mm. are just so, right? I mean, it's, well, yes, and, and not it's, only that, I mean, I, I would think, you know, that if you are acting a certain way with one sibling or several siblings, whatever, I betcha that that plays out in relation, other relationships, other yes, friendships, um, even and, and even in, um, you know, uh, love relationships, you're absolutely right. I, I bet you it does. I mean, if you behave, it just seems like you're just carrying on, you know, the same exact way. I've seen that time and time again with friends. You see what's going on in their family, and it's like, wait a minute, you're doing the same thing with her that you're doing with your sister. Right. And that has... And that's pretty with, common, huh? It's common. And the, I think the reason is, again, this comes from the research I did, I think that what, that, ought, that your ability to deal with other people and with conflict mm. starts at the kitchen table or in the nursery. That's where you learn how to deal with the older sister who takes your block, with the younger sister who pulls your hair, or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you learn how to behave without the scrutiny of a school teacher and very often without the scrutiny of your parents. And I say in the book, some children, when they are out of control, may treat their brothers and sisters in ways that in this day and age would land them in jail if they did it in school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we learn how to deal with conflict. We learn how to deal with differences. And we learn so much at the kitchen table or in the nursery. And so those are our characteristic ways of dealing with people the rest of our lives, unless we have the ability to sit still and look at it and say, wait a minute, we were children when we behaved this way, but now we're grown-ups. Let's see if we can change the dynamic. And I'm telling you, it works. Uh, Jane, in your book, you said a nursery behavior exhibits at least five of the seven deadly sins. Can you talk about that? Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> well, let's see. It's somewhere in my book, and I can't remember. Do you have a page number? I, I, I don't. Um, okay. Actually, but, but I know that gluttony is one of them. Gluttony is one of them. Jealousy. Uh, greed. Uh, yeah, greed. All right. Do you want me to tell you what's in your book? Yeah, please, <laughs> would you? I don't have the book with me, but I, I know that, excuse me, five of the seven deadly sins. One is gluttony. 
Yeah, that's when you look around. In my in my book, there was a family of ten children, and the oldest they'd sit around the table at dinner, windows in the dining room. The oldest would say to the youngest, "Oh, there's a bird." The youngest would look out the window, and the oldest would take his food. <laughs> well, that's because they had a family of ten children, and you know what? I have a, came from a family of eight, so. Uh, you, know. you know this. So I, I, I yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, so that's stuffing their Bluntly. faces to keep others from getting the goodies, right? So what yeah. about greed? Well, greed has to do with the wanting, wanting affection, wanting attention, mm. and and not wanting to share. I mean, teaching children how to share with their siblings is a very hard thing for kids. Very hard thing for kids to learn that they can't keep all the crayons. Mm-hmm. So they, so this is one. And if a child feels that he or she hasn't gotten his or her fair share, they get greedy. You know, what's the next one? Well, the, actually, the next one is is envy, and it's interesting because um, I remember quite some time ago, um, a friend said to me, "You know, I don't want to share this with any of my sisters because I think yeah. they'll secretly be happy that I'm going through this hell." And I thought that was a really bizarre. It is. Uh, thing to think, and I didn't know. So, was this coming from her some uh, distorted way of thinking, or I mean, actually, I shouldn't say that because I mean, if that's how she felt, then maybe she had a reason to feel that way. Well, but it did definitely surprise me, and always made me think. You know, I mean, is there jealousy that goes on and envy that goes on within families? Sure. And so that when there is um, something bad that goes on with one. I would think if parents are setting up a competition, that yeah. that would actually be rather natural, wouldn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. So Absolutely. like being happy for a sibling's disappointment, how whacked out is that? It isn't whacked out at all. I'm mm. sorry, Francesca. <laughs> I don't like whacked out either. All right, um, damn. Healthy, whacked out. All right, I'm going to have to. But, but you know, but I mean, it, th- there is something... Um, very, well, we'll just say that's very sad. Surprising. Surprising. It's, surprising. it's very surprising and very sad. And But it, it, I bet you it's really real. It is. And what is real is that mm. it's with brothers and sisters that we, re- that we experience mixed feelings. Mm. If you have a friend who is annoying, you get rid of her, right? Mm, yeah. With, with yep. your siblings, if you're not in a situation where you simply have to leave the family, Everybody does annoying things. So either you say, as you grow up, you're not six years old anymore, you're 26 or 46, you say, God, you know, there she goes again. That's really annoying. So what? It's my sister. Mm-hmm. And if you're really, really jealous, then you, fig- then you are in a spot. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, you, make a, you make a decision over time. This isn't, you know, today you have to decide. But over time you decide how you're going to deal with your jealousy and how you're going to deal with the love that is always there. The connection between family members is so powerful, Francesca. That's why we put up with our very annoying right. and truly discouraging siblings. Um, Lucille from Dedham wants to know, do you believe that sibling rivalry can be outgrown? Uh, outgrown yes but it takes an act of will on both parts right on both sides right. if there are two or more and in i think they one has to or both have to take responsibility i think sometimes Absolutely. um one isn't taking responsibility yeah we want to talk about it but there's a big difference between saying let's talk about it and let's both look at ourselves and take responsibility well, for our good- own actions 
One of the good ways to do that is to start comparing your experience with your sibling's experience when you were kids. Mm-hmm. This is a very interesting... You know, you sit around and you say, remember when this happened? Remember when we were in the back of the car and I found, saw more cows and you saw more sheep? You know? Yep. Remember the car thing where you count the cows and the sheep yep. when you look out yep. the window? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then you say... And then and everybody laughs about the... And then it turns out, I'm making this up, that... Uh, and for some reason, the cows were more valuable in the in the car than the sheep, and so the 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 grown up who says, you know, I never understood why counting sheep was not as preferable to counting cows, and then they talk about it, mm. and they and and they talk it out. I mean, this is a stupid example. I apologize to that's the okay. listeners, but well, that's okay. I'll let you use the word stupid, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't you. think you're stupid. Well, thank you. We should all be so stupid. Yeah, thank you. But one of the ways in which we overcome the conflict and the anger and the separation that starts in the nursery will overcome it as adults. We do it by sharing stories. One of the best ways to do that is to sit down with a family album. You would be amazed what happens when you sit down with the snapshots and the pictures of the family over time. Mm-hmm. It is a great conversation starter. Um, I have another one here, Angela from Cohass, that I've tried my whole life to take care of my sister because I was a surrogate mother growing up to my sisters because my mother was ill. Yeah. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, so, oh, yeah, okay, got it. Okay, I want to be an equal par now with my sister, but she still looks at me as a mother figure Mm. who she has always rebelled against. I'm tired of it. Um, This is the, this goes under, actually, I have a chapter in the book called The Little Mother. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And this is uh, the woman from Cohasset could be in the book. One of the problems uh, when you raise your siblings is that you have to use, it's not like, oh, here, have some porridge. You have to discipline them and you have to get them to do what you think is right. Mm-hmm. You don't have the skills of an adult. Some adults don't have those skills, but you lack the skills. And what happens is they're dependent on you, but they are resentful. Mm. And you never get to be a peer with them because you had the role of the mother figure. And it's a, it's a burden. It, you know, it's like no good deed goes unpunished. Right. My mother was raised her four sisters. And to the end of their lives, when we would come to visit, my aunts would say, you won't believe what she did today, you know. Mm. And she had raised them. She got them educated. She did everything for them. And they loved each other, even though they complained. And I guess the one thing I would say to that nice woman is, see if you can figure out how much she really loves you, because she does. What about um, parents who have the children compete against one another? Well, you know, this is a very, you, you want to have that? You get it. Um, but then there'll always be a winner and a loser. That's right. That's what I'm. Th- well, that's what I'm thinking, and and that can also be really dangerous because yeah. I mean, if they're if they're competing against one another, I mean, it's something they're not going to outgrow. It's deep rooted. It's very hard to outgrow, and uh, you know, there's a handful of recipe, a handful of ingredients that parents should know uh, about how to keep your kids, even though they're fighting and they're punching each other, and all in all, when they're little, how to make sure that they're, you're putting them in the direction of staying close. Here's one that we really haven't talked about. 
So the kids come in, and Annie says, she broke my crayons. And uh, Betsy says, she did it. Now the mother doesn't know really what happened. Generally, this is the mother, the parent, doesn't know who was what. So if it's an older child, the parent will say, well, you should have been more adult, but didn't know really what happened. Mm -hmm. The best way to, to deal with kids who come running with, she did that, he did that, is to say, you need to solve it yourself. One woman in my book had a great big chair, great big, like almost a couch, like a big, big chair, and she put, she had five kids, she'd put the two fighting ones in the chair and said, you can't get out until you've figured it out. Yeah, well, I think that's not such a bad, bad idea. It's a great thing, because one of the things, if the parents stay out of the fights, Mm. of course, you want to keep them from hurting each other, Mm. but if the parents have the patience to let the children resolve it, they learn the most amazing Social skills, mm-hmm. and let me tell you, that is a skill that is very good in work and in and in marriage. Oh, absolutely. Um, here I have a, a question from a guy. Joseph from Marshall wants to know, are religious or political differences deal breakers? I guess you must mean by deal breakers. As a, they uh, are so hard. <laughs> it reminds me. <laughs> it just reminds me. I was, I, this was actually, you know, <laughs> when it was the presidential election. And I, I, won't, I won't give away my political affiliation, but it's different than my sister's. And she said, Do you, you don't think so-and-so will win. I right. said, I hope to God he does. Well, she slammed the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I, said, I was so shocked. I was like, what is? I thought it was pretty funny myself, but I mean, I was really taken aback that, that, but I mean, she really, you know, has her, she took it, she took it to heart. Political differences, religious differences, and marrying the the wrong person are three big, almost deal breakers in adult, among adult siblings. Um, And I had people I interviewed who stopped talking to their siblings because one was a Republican and one was a Democrat. Well, you know, and, people do the the political uh, arena does get a little hairy. I mean, and I, it's also so polarized now. It really, um, exactly, exactly so it makes it harder. And uh, but I, I ran into a woman on a train once, and she told me that her she would go and visit her siblings in somewhere in the south for Labor Day weekend, and there was a new one of those sisters had married, remarried, and the guys politics were completely different from the rest of the family and he really 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 loved to argue with them but it it made it hard and finally this woman called her sister and said would you tell your husband we're not discussing politics for the weekend <laughs> well, went beautifully yeah well good good what about siblings with disabilities well now this is a very interesting one i have a chapter on that right well, well. you do because what i was going to say is you say it's a burden but also an opportunity well, um yes, what do you mean course, by that one of the family, one of the women I interviewed has a brother who had a genetic, who, who was born with a genetic disability. And so as it, one of these disabilities where his nervous system began to get worse and worse and worse as he grew. Mm-hmm. And they were all athletes, and he was an athlete until he couldn't anymore. And they took such good care of him. The family made it, the parents made it easy for the children to participate with their brother, to care for him, and they loved him to death. And when he, as he got more and more wheelchair-bound, 
They would come, each of them would come. There were four others, and the parents were taking care of this, this boy 24-7. They rotated going home one weekend a month so that they could be with them and help. And those siblings were so close. This is another tip. It has to do with children who are in a family with a disabled child or uh, grown children who are dealing with the parents who are getting older and, and... Oh, that's another family horror, isn't it? Yes, but, and here's the, you know, here's the short answer. The sibling who doesn't participate in the care of the last parent, the mother or the father, is going to have a very hard road to toe to get back in with the other siblings. Oh, yeah. But the brothers and sisters who work together to take care of their parents and cooperate that closeness is the greatest tie that binds you together for the rest of your life. And this is something, you know, if, if, you have, if we have any listeners who are over 20, this is, something All of them. To know. <laughs> this is something to know, even if you don't feel like it. Bite your tongue and go participate with your brothers and sisters, because you will then have them in a loving and cooperative way for the rest of your life, even if you don't agree about, you know, whether mo- where mom should go or what dad should do. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're all in it together is the greatest sign of sibling loyalty. Mm. Um, I have another one, Amelia, from Merrimack, New Hampshire. I have three sisters, and I frequently feel left out. Mm. They're all married, and I'm not, so I try to spend mm-hmm. as little time with them as I can, but somehow I find the same feelings come up with my own friends. Is there a direct connection? Yeah. Well, here, this is a this is a a good example of what happens when you're kind of uh, you, the imprint of your childhood carries over to your adulthood, and you're more sensitive, and that's hard. And you know, the sisters who leave us, I've I've met a lot of people who had who, either who were who were left out by the siblings or who feel really bad for having isolated one of the brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And it's just miserable. And, again, it's the kind of pain that either you f- figure out a way to overcome it or you just get over it. But I think that if she's finding, if you are finding the same dynamic as an adult with your friends, you need to look at yourself and see how you are perceiving the other people mm-hmm. and what you are doing to make it feel as if you're being left out, because you may not at all be being left out. It just, when you're with three other women, you just feel like you're the outsider, because you always were. Because you always were, exactly. Mm-hmm. I have a question here without a name, so I can't. But um, I'm the golden child, um, I'm assuming you mean the favorite. I can't hear you. Um, this person is saying, I'm the golden child. I assume that she means favoritism, but, or him. Yes. I don't know. Um I'd like to know your take on the consequences of being the golden child. Well, I think it is a lovely thing to have have the adoration of your parents. One, I think it's a difficult place to be because, as you had said before, the expectation that you will continue to be perfect all your life is a burden. Right. So that has to do with the parents. Now when you're dealing with your siblings, they're going to say, there she goes again being perfect and if she want if you want to it, and you ha, and, and it's it's unfair because she obviously is, has been doing all the right things all her life and it's a burden to have to figure out how to get your brothers and sisters to forgive you it's not you it's your parents mm-hmm. but to forgive find a way 
to recognize that you don't think you're perfect. You know that there are all kinds of things about you that um, make you just another human being. Well, when we know talking, that innately that we're not perfect anyway. Don't right, you think? but if you are given, the, I, we were talking before about being the good girl and the bad girl. Yeah. You know, and I said to you, I wish I could have been a bad girl. Well, the perfect, the golden child needs to figure out a way or has the opportunity to figure out a way to say to herself and to the siblings, you know, I was good and I did everything they wanted, but you got to know what I was really thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is the, that kind of attitude brings people together. Oh, gosh. Okay. Last question here about age gaps. How can oh. they ever really connect? Now, this is interesting. It's a big question because if you are, let's say, six or seven years difference between siblings, mm-hmm. um, you, you grow up in different families. Parents are different ages. It's a very tri- tricky thing. One family that, I've, that I found, there were six of them, and there were 12 years between them. There were two and then two and then two. Mm-hmm. And, and I interviewed them all. And the oldest said, I really didn't get to know my sisters until Ma- Mama was sick. Mm-hmm. And, and this was a family where the mother went, uh, went to the old folks' home. But they said, Mama, we'll bring you home to your house every weekend. And they did for eight years. And all the brothers and sisters took turns. By the end of that time, the oldest knew the youngest because they were all adults. And they take vacations together, and they are so close to another, one another because they all had a joint task to perform when they were grown up, and that was the care for Mama. Okay. All right. Jane I say, thank you so much for being on Talk of Francesca today. Um, what's your website? J-A-N-E-I-S-A-Y, janeisay.com. And thank you, Francesca. All right. It was a pleasure. Have a great weekend. All right, we've got to wrap things up. Thank you for listening. And thank you to my awesome producer, Brian, and my intern, Haley. Keep your questions coming. Write to me and let me know what's on your mind. Got to go. See you later. Make it a fantastic week. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's restaurant guide, pastas without compare. And it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. If you are looking for a transformation fitness center that's based on results with a motivating and energizing exercise environment, then the Boston North Fitness Center is the place for you. Located at 30 Prince Street in Danvers, Boston North Fitness Center is family-owned with a fully dedicated staff who themselves have lost over 250 pounds combined. With over 4,000 members, the experienced staff not only does their job, but cares about doing their jobs. For more information, call 978 or log on to bostonnorthfitness.com. 
If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I need to be somewhere that I can't take my little guy, I bring him to the Playful Pack in Ipswich. There isn't a thing that the Playful Pack doesn't provide to give your furry friend a great day of socializing. They even separate the small dogs from the big. What a relief that was for me. My little guy has a big personality, but he is still only 20 pounds, so I feel so much more comfortable with him playing with kids his own size. And at any time, I can open up the Playful Pack's webcam and see exactly what he's doing. Now, that's maintaining control. Your pet will exercise, play, and rest in a safe, clean, and comfortable environment. So it's kind of a no-brainer whether you want to take your dog when you're not around. Visit theplayfulpack.com or call 978-356-3698 today. You'll be glad you did. The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. Hi, everybody. It's Francesca. Recently, I moved, but what I didn't realize is just how much stuff I brought with me. I was so freaked out. I really needed to maximize the space in my master closet. So I immediately called Closet Classics of Andover to help me get organized. Nick, the owner, came right out to help me and quickly assess what I needed. The process was so easy. All I had to do was tell him what I wanted, and my worries were over. I'd recommend Closet Classics of Andover to anyone looking to get their life more organized. Closet Classics have been in business for 10 years and offers a complete line of home organization solutions for closets, pantries, garages, laundry rooms, you name it. Whether you're looking for something extravagant or simple, Closet Classics will make your life simpler. Give them a call today at 978-475-2433 or visit their website at www.ccandover.com and start planning your organized future now.